Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Real Estate Investing with Alex Deacon. My name is Adam and I'm here with the man of the hour, the tower of power, Alex Deacon, the Deacon of Real Estate. Alex, what's going on, brother? How are you today, Adam? I'm, I'm doing great and it's good to see you. It's great to see you, my friend. It's It's been a couple weeks. It has uh, been, yeah. Been busy, you know. That's Vac good, though. Vacations and holidays, all summer stuff. Sicknesses you know? and all kinds. Of, yeah, we've, we've had a myriad of things going on yes. this summer. Um, but today we're here and we're back and we hope you guys are excited about this because we have a very interesting topic to talk about and we want you guys to know that don't panic. A lot of people are talking about it, the market, but don't worry, it's going to crash. Yeah, the market will crash. Absolutely. So Alex, we can explain. Yeah, I, I thought it would be a, a good time to talk about it because you're kind of hearing it a little bit here and there mm -hmm. on, on the news and things. and. Uh, it's in the real, uh, the real estate world. A lot of the uh, experts are talking about it. And I've been in the industry since 90, really like 93, but I didn't know what I was doing in 93. So <laughs> I guess I've been like an educated real estate person, maybe starting around uh, maybe 2000. So... And I don't know how it, you know, I'm not even saying I was really educated then, or nor am I super educated now. I just know a lot more today than I did in 1993, right? right? But um, when I got my real estate license in 95, the market was good. It was it was easy to be an agent. Uh, people were buying, people were selling. So I never saw a, a down market till 2008. So mm -hmm. I was just reading, we were on the internet, you and I were just looking at this. So... It, Wikipedia says uh, the real estate bubble affected over half of the United States. Housing prices prices peaked in early 2006, started to decline 06 and 07, and reached new lows in 2012. On December 30, 2008, the home price index reported its largest price drop in history. So, I guess it's between 2007 2009 was when the housing market right really it. took a dump, you right. know, because. And it was going up in sunkiness. Like I, I had a friend of mine who was buying condos and townhomes in, like um, Myrtle Beach, oh, and they were man. buying them pre-construction. They were buying them from a developer. It's like so, let's buy five of them for two hundred fifty thousand, and then when when they're done, we'll close on them, and then we're gonna we'll have them sold, and we'll sell them for three hundred thousand. You know that's that's how ridiculous it was. Right. How can you sustain that? It's, it's unsustainable. It's yeah. The, I guess I'm not an economist, man. I don't know diddly squat about like job, uh, you know, with the job market and what you know. I, I just don't know. I mean, I couldn't even comment on it. Even if I watch the news, when you watch the news, what do you really? You're getting what the news is telling you. Don't yeah. know You don't know how it works. It's just a circular you know? echo chamber. But yeah. just think about it. Like I think about it like. Real simple economics. If housing prices are going up twenty and thirty percent in a year, even ten or fifteen percent, our 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 incomes going up at all? Are they they might not go up ten or fifteen percent because it's probably not directly related on a, on a chart or a graph or anything. But you know, just think about it. It's it's just obvious. So I'm looking at the market now and prices. Well, here in Pittsburgh, we, when it crashed in 2008, we never saw a, a huge drop in, in values because we, we never experienced the, the huge rise. We never had that. 
that, that's one thing I read is that the Pittsburgh market is one of the most uh, uh, just not, not want to say predictable, it's but boring. One of most, it's boring and stable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it doesn't have the, as many highs and lows. But, it's, it's pretty comfortable. But to, now to it's it's a little less boring. I don't, I don't, I, I don't know if that's the proper term. <laughs> it's it seems like prices are going up like a lot higher than they should be. Mm-hmm. You know, in some areas. And it's just, it, I know something's, something's going to happen. You have you have a lot of turmoil in, in government right now, right? You have Obama and Obamacare, which, which sucked. And now you have Trump in there, which, you know, he's he's not the greatest thing since sliced bread either. It's, it's so like every president, 50-50. A lot of, 50, lot you know, of turmoil in there. And yeah. prices are still going up. Um, I just foresee, I, I'm, I'm kind of like backing off right now as far as... Okay. What I'm doing, I'm, I'm just kind of putting the brakes on a little bit, you know. Almost like cruise control and seeing how it plays out for a second. Yeah, I you just you have to. You don't know when it's going to happen. This could go on this spike right now for five more years. Yeah. You know, but it could go on for five more days. Wow. So, we had just the reason I brought this up, and I want to talk about this today because we, me and some of my partners, we have a lot of inventory right now. So we have a lot of properties that we're buying and we want to sell them. You know, we're not renting them out. So I don't want to get caught with 30 properties in my inventory and mm-hmm. not have a, a plan B. Right. So my thought was let's let's get let's get our inventory under control. And I always talk about the A, B, C's and D's. So the options. When I purchase a property, I have four different options I look at. Option A is if I'm flipping it, we're going to sell it and make a, a nice profit. Option B is we're going to flip it. Um, our numbers are off a little bit. We're still going to make a, a decent profit. Option C would be hey, we made some mistakes. We under budgeted. We overvalued what the property was worth after repair value. We're going to break even. Okay, so be it. The, the benefit of selling something and breaking even is you free up all that opportunity money. Right. So if you have $200,000 in a property that you can't use to go find other deals and to make a return, you're costing yourself money. So by selling it and breaking even, you're really you're, you're freeing up money that can make you money. Okay. And then option D would be, hey, let's sell it at a loss because this is just too painful. Financially, we need to unload it. Our opportunity costs are too great. Or you're renting it and you're able to cover your cost or maybe even cash flow a little bit. Or maybe even you're renting it and losing a little bit each month, you know? So holding costs on a vacant property could be a couple thousand, three thousand dollars a month in, in this market in our price range that we deal in. Versus if you're renting it and losing a few hundred, that's not so bad, right? right? So I bring this up because if we have five or six properties on the market for sale ready to go, and they're not selling, and all of a sudden the market takes a takes a dive, and they're just sitting there. Then I want to know ahead of time, before we buy it, mm-hmm. what can we rent this for? Okay. You know what's going to be our cost to hold it, and what can we rent it for in today's market? Because what we saw in two thousand and eight was the the house values went down, but at least in Pittsburgh, I mean they went down a little bit. But not a lot. But the rental market was was pretty strong because these folks now the banks changed the way they lend money and the rental market. I shouldn't say it was initially 
good at 2008, but the rental market got really strong after 2008 because the banks changed how they would, who they would lend to, and it was much harder to get a loan. Therefore, rents went up, and it was easier to, to keep your vacancy rate down. The downside of that is in certain markets, there was a lot of houses that weren't able to sell, and they were renting their houses. So at some point, that rental market started to get saturated because, okay, these folks have to sell their home. They moved out of state. They can't do anything with that home other than rent it. Therefore, you know, I might have had three rental properties on the market uh, one year, but the, the following year there were 13 in that particular area. So what happens when there's 13 for rent versus three? Right. Yeah. yeah the the prices are going to drop. Yep. So rental, you know, rental, uh, rental prices go up and down too. You know? Yeah, because it's excess cost and demand, but obviously, I mean, supply and demand, guys. That's that's the main yeah. thing with that. So the 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 market will crash, and and I, I don't know. I'm just kind of, I, I just was thinking about it. So I thought it was a good topic. So if you as a person who just owns maybe a couple units or just buying one, you still need to think about it like you're a big company and you have hundreds of thousands of houses mm-hmm. you know or you're just you have to think about it that way so even if you just have a couple homes and you're flipping one and you have one as a rental think about that flip as a, it's very important to you and what are your options option a sell it option b sell it for a small profit option c sell it for break even option d sell it lose money so know that before going in because when the market crashes and it will you'll have that backup plan because you'll know based on like I know or I hope to know that based on my income with my other businesses and and the rental income and our flips and so on and so forth that we could get through two or three four or five years of down economy Mm -hmm. you know and still just get by right so that that's why I I'm not panicking I'm just I'm cognizant of it and I'm preparing for it. Now, what would, and this is just for, for anybody that, you know, any new investors out there that might be listening that, that might not have experienced the 2008, 2009, you know, kind of fallout. Um, and especially because Pittsburgh has typically been as stable, what do you think has caused, and, and we've kind of touched upon this before, but what, what do you think might have caused some of the spikes in prices around here? And what might be the other side of it? Like, was it the rumors of Amazon coming in and, and maybe them not coming in and like with, with Uber and, you know, just different things that, that have going on. Is, is, is it more mm-hmm. the tech-based stuff or is it is there other factors too? Yeah, I think it's been a lot of the, the sizzle about tech. Okay. You know, robotics and, you know, healthcare is real big here, yes. a lot of hospitals and such. But if you look at the, and I always, I always revert back to this, so you've probably heard this, we talk about it, our population isn't increasing. So it it's great to have what that what that does is when you get maybe um, Uber has their headquarters here or something like that, it causes that area right around Uber probably to become right. hot. Right. You know, and I think that's what happened. But it also that but there's no increase in population. Right. So exactly. if that becomes hot over there, it becomes colder Sometimes. in another market. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know the numbers, but I'm just going to use like what I'm seeing, and I'm seeing like Lawrenceville, Bloomfield, East Liberty. Those areas just blossomed. I mean, just 
exploded mm-hmm. in values and and I'm seeing other areas like and I might be wrong on this but I see like the south side was really hot for a long long time and now that's kind of cooled off mm-hmm. a little bit it's kind of lost its sizzle and all the sizzle and the Hollywood-esque has gone over to those other areas say, the south side works that we went down to recently it just didn't seem it was the first time I was ever there and I just thought yeah. it's like a ghost town <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I, I could be wrong there, but I just I, I, I do see the housing it it's just shifting, but um, some areas are super hot, some areas aren't. But again, Pittsburgh isn't the population isn't isn't growing, so it's it, it's very stable, like three to four percent appreciation per year. Let's 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 go check and let's I'm gonna check online to see like what the average appreciation. Is. I do think that we looked that up before. I think you might be right on that. It might be about three to four um, with the stability right there. So now let's uh, while you're looking that up, just another you know another quick more sort of throw at you. Say somebody was thinking about getting their real estate license, you know, and, and you think that there might be uh, a down market coming or maybe a crash is coming. What would you say to that? You know that potential investor. You know why would you still invest in properties? What are you asking me? Is should uh, you're asking me two questions about an investor and getting your real estate license? No, well, kind of like well, so if somebody was thinking about becoming an investor, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 they hear that a down market might be around the corner, does that scare them away, or do, should they still? That actually should excite them. So okay. the, that's, we'll talk about the the pros of a down market, and that's why I'm, I'm kind of a, a little bit excited about it too. Is if you position yourself where you're financially strong during those down markets mm-hmm. and you don't get in over your head and you have good relationships with banks and you have the uh, availability of capital then you can you can do quite well because obviously you're going to buy properties now that are Below. lower in yeah. price okay so if the house was a hundred thousand today maybe a year from now it's ninety two thousand that doesn't sound like a lot but it's ninety two thousand versus a hundred, and that eight grand could be used for. And yeah, and at some point you get that slingshot effect where yeah, the market is down, but then it's going to just bounce back like a rubber band, and in a short time, maybe three or five years, it could be worth one hundred and thirty. Right. So in three to five years, if you play your cards right and you're able to buy these with very little money down or zero money down, which can be done, and we talk about that. Um, you've increased your your wealth by a tremendous amount. So let's just say you, you increased your wealth by by forty thousand dollars by just buying at the right time. Right. And four years later, so forty thousand. If you bought maybe five or ten of those houses over the next four years, that's a half a million dollars. Wow. Wow. So, that, and that's not that's not hard to do. You know, four or five homes. Buying at the right time, right. selling at the right time, or just holding, because you know if you hold on to property, it's always going to go up. It's, yeah. If we look at charts and graphs over the past hundred years, I think I looked at one in like the first part of this century, like housing prices didn't move. It was weird, and then and then and right. yeah, I'll, I'll pull that chart up. But then since then, they they just. They, they go up and it's uh, average four to five percent according to what I'm seeing online. Oh, okay. Yeah. I wonder why they, it became so stagnant in the early 2000s. I think you just had a lot of uh, people coming in from you know uh, out of the country and they were just that was the industrial revolution and yeah. there were there were just folks getting by you know they were 
just living in apartments, working in steel mills, working on the farm. Yeah. You know, that's that's probably what happened there. And now you have the industrial revolution and the tech revolution and information technology, and it's just all it's over different place. different yeah. world. Oh yeah, yeah. oh night and day. Night so day. it's always going to go up. Now here's here's something from. Uh, Realtor.com carried out an investigation of the U.S. housing market in January 2018, comparing it to one year earlier. According to Forbes, these are general numbers and how they compare to last year's real estate market. Medium, medium house price is 269.5. It's up 8%. Days on market, 89 days, which is down 7%, which means houses are selling quicker. Mm-hmm. And housing inventory. 1.23 million listings down 8%. So that means inventory is down. More being sold. And actually, I read... No, that means... Oh. Uh, yeah, it means less on the market. Okay. So causing less on the market means... Prices pr- are up. Probably prices are going to yeah. go up because there's... And we're seeing that here in Pittsburgh, it's low inventory. So a good house that comes on the market that's priced right... People are jumping all over. It's, it's all over. So, you know, sometimes you're getting multiple offers, you know. Wow. Okay. But going up 8%, you know, you're... That's a lot, on average, right? So some areas are probably twenty percent. Some areas might be one or two or three. But and I actually read an article that millennials are now the new home buyers. They're the they're the age demographic that's buying more homes than any other demographic. I mean, granted, I guess generationally that mm-hmm. should happen, but that was yeah. the generation that was always you know everyone said they were going to rent for the rest. of it. You know what I mean? That was right. allegedly the renting generation. They're starting to buy now too. So yeah. So yeah, the, so the the pros of a, a down market is if you're positioned correctly, even if you're not like thinking about buying 50 homes next year, you just want to buy two. When that market crashes and you can buy two at uh, a discount, and let's say that same hundred thousand dollar home is you're getting it for uh, seventy. I mean, you know, obviously you're. It's just the lower you can get it, the the better, because you know that market's going to go up, but. What what are you going to do with it? Just because you can buy at a low price, mm-hmm. you have to know the other side of the market is mm, you're going to flip it. Okay, so you're, well, you're buying it at a low price. You can still flip it, but you're going to flip it at a low price because right. there's still a profit margin to be made there. I think the real money is buying in a down market and holding it and renting it. And if that rental market is stable and is strong, in 3, 5, 10, 15, 20 years, you're your wealth will grow every year exponentially. Play the long game. Yeah. So I met with a, a, a woman yesterday and she, I'm not a real fan on Section 8, Section 8 housing. Right. Because we did it for a long time. We still do manage probably 40 or 50 units. Section 8, it's just, it's, it's a bit of a hassle. It's government bureaucracy. It's dealing with the the tenants, a lot of them just feel like they're owed the housing, where that's not why this was started. Exactly. It was started to help you get off your, mm-hmm. off your, you know, you got hurt, you get up, we help you, you go get a job, you get out of the program, and let someone else get in yep. who needs it. And we're, and you see people take advantage of it, just yep. like every other government program. Yep. You know, people are going to try to go around the system and use it. Takes one the, bad seed to ruin the whole. whole yeah, bunch. so there's a, bot, a lot of bad seeds, unfortunately, because there's a lot of good people yep. out there that need this help, mm-hmm. and those ones they get a bad rap from all the ones that are just they're using the system. Yep. But she had she had uh, almost a hundred units, and they rented them all Section Eight, and her, the rents she was getting were were amazing. So she, I think she had a great 
business model also. It's not one I want to take because I don't want to deal with that, that element. I don't want to manage 100 Section 8 apartments and houses. It's just not what I want to do with, at my age. You know, it's at some point you, you become a different person when you turn 50. <laughs> and we don't want to deal with 100 Section 8 houses. But I applauded her. I said, that is amazing. Been doing it for 12 years. She had 100 units. Uh, the rents she was getting were, were very, very high. And she just had it systemized. She knows what to expect. She knew the people at Section 8. She knows the paperwork. She knows the process. She knows the stuff you got to deal with with Section 8 and those the tenant population and what, what they deal with. And you just, you can make money there. You can make money in Section 8. Absolutely. These are low-income areas. Some of them are high crime. A lot of them are higher crime. Mm-hmm. Um, see, I don't want to be there. Right. But I'd never deter somebody and say, don't do not do that because this lady's making a killing. Right, yeah, right. She is working her ass off. Her and her partner applaud them because that's a lot of work because I know. So you can make money in, in the down market. Um, that might be where the real money's made. I mean, because just think about it. If she's buying in these areas that are depressed right now, what happens... At the down market, that's that government money is probably going to stay there. Right. That's not probably not going to be affected in any way. And if that area ever uh, gentrifies and just explodes, it can only go up really e- economically. You could have a house that you paid forty thousand for, and within ten years, it could be worth four hundred thousand. That happens. That happened oh. over in East Liberty. That is unreal. Yeah. So that's the that's the positive thing about buying in a depressed area doing Section 8 is your upside could be huge, but it is a lot of work. And you have to be able to manage them yourself and have your systems in place and have your, your handyman in place. You have to do all of it. You can't rely on a management company to manage Section 8 and think it's going to work. It's, it's not. Right. So the, 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 the cons are the crash is coming. When, I don't know, but I, I think with it's coming. You know, I'm just, I'm Winter just is coming. I'm kind of preparing for it. But I'm also looking forward to it because the 90, nine times out of ten, most people aren't ready for it. Investors aren't ready for it. When it happens, people panic. When they panic, they unload at ridiculously low prices mm-hmm. because they just went out. And that's when the smart real estate investor is in. But there's more to it than just knowing that, you know? Like, well, I know I'm going to buy when the market's down. Yeah, that's fine. And that's absolutely where you need to buy. But you should be buying all the time, up Mm -hmm. or down, Mm -hmm. all the time. You never wait. But buying when it's down, it's great. And that's the premise of making massive wealth. But also, what do you do with that property when you buy it? Just because you have that knowledge that you buy when the market's down, there's so much more that goes to there's it. That's game. where we talk about real estate IQ and, and reading and learning and hanging around people smarter and wealthier and more successful than you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when that crash does happen, you know to buy. You're able to buy because you have your uh, capital and your your banks lined up, and you know what to do with those properties and how to uh how to take care of them, how to take care of your investment. Right. So in five or ten years, it's taking care of you. Right, right, right. Basically, it's and so it sounds like a down market is almost a way that everybody makes it sound, puts a, such a negative annotation on it. 
it, it, and I don't want to make it seem like it's it's the greatest thing in the world, especially in some markets around the country. So if you're listening, well, it's going to be sad for a lot of people because you know the average. What I feel bad for a lot of folks who are buying something in an area that, like, now I don't know this for a fact, but I just talked to people from the West Coast and like San Francisco is crazy high. Right? Yeah, oh, it's unreal. So you buy high. a house in San Francisco, these, these, uh, and then the market crashes and their houses are cut maybe in half. That person's going to lose their house, right? Yeah. So I feel bad for the average home buyer because they don't. They they really. What are they going to do? They have to buy a house. Right. If they live in San Francisco, they're going to rent and pay crazy rent, or they're going to buy a house. The crash is the best thing to do is stay because you know it's going to come back. Right. But some people can't stay. They might lose their job. They might have health issues. They might have to move because of a job relocation. You know, so those people are the ones that are really going to take a bath. You know, it's just the way it is. It's it's going to happen. So, but but is and I would so in a way though, it's not a bad starting point for people. So you know, people that 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 are that are thinking, some people might be listening to this thing and hey, you know, real estate is kind of on my brain. Maybe I want to do this. Basically, you're saying still don't be deterred by it. Almost embrace embrace it in a way. Yeah, just be aware of it. Know that it can happen and it, it will happen, and be ready. Be ready. Yeah. Preparation. Be, be ready. There we go. Um, my friend, this was awesome. This was very, very informative. I think everyone listening will, will greatly appreciate this one. You excited? Now, this now once we publish this, it's going to be post-meetup, so I'm going to ask you a question. It's going to be totally irrelevant by the time everyone listens to this. It's at your meetup on Saturday, but are you ready for tomorrow at the meetup? I am ready! <laughs> Guys, listen, thank Actually, you. Actually, not really. I'll be preparing tonight. <laughs> First thing in the morning. Listen, guys, thank you so, so much for, for checking into this episode. Alex, was there anything, any other like icing on the cake you want to put on top of this one? Uh, no, I think we covered – I mean, we could go on and on on this subject, but it was something I – it was on top of my mind, so I'm glad we talked about it. And Good. I don't want anybody to panic, but I do want them to panic at the same time. A little bit. <laughs> a little bit of both. So, guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Uh, we, hope, we hope that we – Made you panic, but calmed you a little bit down too, uh, with all the all the talk about the market crashing and you know all the all the hyperbole that's always going around. But listen, for Alex, for everyone here at Deacon Hoover Real Estate, make sure you're checking us out on Twitter, on Facebook. Uh, search Deacon Hoover or Alex Deacon in any of your favorite podcasting uh, outlets. I'm sure you will find our podcast there. Look on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, Spreaker. Um, we're all over the place right now, so um, make sure you're checking us out. And again, it's Deacon Hoover on Facebook. So. For everyone here, this is Adam. Thank you so much for tuning in.